Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. Our first exercise here in the Eccentric Minute is the K-Box Squat. This is the granddaddy of all of them, guys. One that we use at all levels of our training with a vast array of athletes. A couple big tips. I like to use a, something for our hands to support it. Make sure that strap is completely taut to the top. Don't leave it short. Don't leave it long. What I really like the most about it, guys, the iso-inertial wheel, we're going to use this with other squats as well. The other squats are working to depth. These, we're going to get to an athletic position and work our way up. Push hard and make sure you're fighting to hit that breaking force. As we cut reps, we usually cut depth as well to make it a little bit more transferable to what we do. This is an awesome exercise that I can't recommend enough. Throw it in your training. It's going to be great for you and your athlete. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you can find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over 100 different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Fired up to catch up with my guy. Hey. Look at him, man. How you What's doing, up? buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. The guy gets to the league. The beard's gone. Look at all <laughs> professional. Look at this guy. Uh, just trying to keep it trimmed up, you know, that's all. Trying to keep it clean. How, how are things, man? Things are things are weird, but <laughs> no doubt, right? I mean, pretty pretty good, I think. Like personally, I think as good as can be. You know, still getting paid and family's healthy, so all that matters, dude. Right? Got some. Can you hear me okay? The neighbors were just mowing the lawn. I was afraid it'd be really loud, but no, nah, dude, I hear you great, man. All right, cool. I mean, not as great as those dangles you were showing off the other day when you took the <laughs> back out. I'll tell you what, I have not. I like used to play a lot of roller hockey as a kid. Yeah. Haven't put blades on in like probably a decade. And then my son, I got him for my son and daughter and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Like, I want to skate. I like Amazon some skates and got out. I was like, dude, I love this. This is awesome. I <laughs> <laughs> sitting there like. Dangles like he's a winger here. Dad <laughs> was a goalie. Super like, slow motion. Super slow motion. <laughs> it didn't look it. I was like, <laughs> yo, guy's been on the rink a little bit. This <laughs> there in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how are you doing, man? I'm glad to hear. Yeah, family's good. Kids are good. Uh, my son is uh, in kindergarten. So obviously, like they closed up and they're doing like the, the home learning thing as much as they kind of can or whatever. And my daughter's four, so she's been home anyways with with my wife. And um, it's like a weird deal, right? Because it's 
there's been like this huge blessing of like family time, like quality time. That's been a, at least for me, like a silver lining out of this craziness. But then it's weird because there's like, there's obviously like chaos and anxiety and like uncertainty. So it's, a, it's just a weird time. You know what I mean? I don't think there's a better way to say it. Man. Yeah. But listen, dude, what was it like? What was that transition like? Uh, from college to pros or just the shutdown of everything? No, college to the pros. Let's talk about something. something let's let's go there. We'll start with that. It was a uh, good dude. It was, um, like he super hectic. Uh, this first year was very like, I felt like around the time we kind of got shut down, I was finally starting to like get my feet under me and, and really kind of getting a, a, a role and, and, and feel real comfortable. Um, but the whole transition was good overall. I mean, um, the position was, was, uh, is, is different than a little bit different than what I had been doing for the last, you know, decade. Um, it's new for the organization as well. Like it was a new position that they kind of created. Uh, so there's just a lot of me figuring out what that was like, them kind of figuring out what the job was actually supposed to be and what they wanted and, um, and all that. But the, the group that I work with is unbelievable. Like we have a blast every day at work and we have fun and, really, really smart cats. Uh, the team is, is awesome. Like good people all around, uh, good guys to work with. You know, the, the setting is, is different. The schedule is insane. Um, but then like on the flip side, there's some things about it, like from a scheduling standpoint, like I don't travel that much. I'm, I mostly stay back when the team is on the road. Cause a big piece of my job is to work with injured players. So you kind of always have somebody that's got a, you know, a broken finger or something like that. Um, so I end up in some ways like spending more time at home than I did in the college setting. Um, so it's been, it's been really interesting that way. That's pretty cool though, man. That's good for you. You also got to play around a little bit, man. Like, you know, that picture I put with you on the 1080. Yeah. Like, you know, like what were some things that you were pun intended? What are some things you were dangling with? <laughs> you know, during that time, because you're not a dude that can just sit there and be like, oh, I don't want to play with these toys. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, it's been, you know, I, it's, obviously it's been pretty cool. Like we have some pretty cool toys. We have a 1080 Quantum. We have a 1080 Sprint. We have force plates, um, you know, so we're really fortunate that way. And obviously it's, that's a, another big piece of my job is the, you know, performance director piece of it is is a perform, performance science director is to really sink my teeth into that stuff and that was kind of one of the reasons why I think uh, I was a good fit for them with the position the way they created it is they really wanted somebody who had, had experience um, using sports science tools and technology in training like not a not on sort of the research side of things in the lab based setting but really like a coach that has been able to, to use a lot of the technology and implement it in an intelligent way that we can use it all the time. So like using the quantum a bunch, um, first off, like outside of kind of knowing about the 1080 equipment, I'd never, I'd never really used any of it. So getting my feet wet and learning what like the isokinetic stuff was all about and how to implement that and, and being creative with that has been a really fun process. 
Um, but it's also really taking us in a kind of an interesting direction just based on a lot of the logistical and time constraints in, in the NHL. Like there's no, there's no time for training. Like there's, we play almost every other day. So there's 82 games in, in the NHL in roughly 180 days. It's almost every other day. So the time to get training in is super minimal. So you have to really, really, really pick your spots and pick your battles and, and figure out what's really important. The quantum stuff has been cool because we've, we've been able to take, um, if anybody's familiar with Matt Price and what he's done in LA with the, with the LA Kings, like he's really sort of pushed the envelope here, but I feel like we've kind of taken some of his ideas and concepts and, and really been able to apply like really high force, low load, stimulus to our players in season using the quantum that just not able to do and with like traditional lifting so we're still doing traditional stuff um you know we do split squats and chin-ups and landmine presses and whatever but like we've implemented this 1080 stuff a lot into our i, I guess semi-sport specific patterns so we're doing like lateral pushing at really low velocities letting our guys get really 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 high force outputs um and so playing with that stuff has been fun like it's it's a whole new area that i've never gotten to experience and it's been it's been a lot of fun what are you seeing with it um i'm seeing first off there's a, a bit of a learning curve like it's a it's a if you've never used that type of resistance or that type of tool um it's a little weird feeling uh the athletes don't like right off the bat sort of understand like basically for those that aren't familiar like isokinetic training allows you the coach can set the speed at which something can move and then the athlete can apply as much or as little force as they want to and they're governed by that speed so if you set the speed really low um the athlete can basically push against that resistance or that 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 wall um as hard as they want or as, or as lightly as they want. So from like a return to play injury uh, perspective, it's awesome because you can do, um, you can start to apply, you know, tension to the tissue at whatever velocities really, really safely because the athlete governs the whole thing. On the performance side, once the athletes are comfortable and kind of understand the feel, the force output that they're able to generate uh, with this kind of isokinetic setting has been really cool. Like, and we're doing this again, like this lateral pushing, which is really specific to skating that we're not able to get a lot of other ways. And once the athletes get used to it, they love it. Like it's full buy-in with most of our guys. Cause they're like, dude, this is, this is skating, but I'm able to like get strong doing this. I'm not, it's not a bar on my back and I'm going up and down, which like, yeah, it makes sense. And I get it cause I'm an athlete, but like, it's not skating. This is almost like skating. Um, but we can do like one RM type force outputs on it, um, which has been cool. We're not quite at the point of, uh, like we were trying to get to the point and we, we, we will eventually have really been able to correlate that stuff with on ice sprinting with our 1080 sprint. Um, that's kind of in the works, but we don't have enough data yet there. Um, but that's where we're kind of going is looking at, okay, if we work at the, you know, the real force end of the spectrum in a more specific pattern with these guys, how does that show up 
on the ice in actual skating speed. Hmm. Well, the guys dig it. They dig it. Like, <laughs> we got one guy that makes a fair amount of money who is, like, looking into buying one for his house. And these are not, like, $300 pieces of equipment. You know what I mean? Like, this is an investment. And he, the guy likes it so much. And he's, an, you know, an older vet. And he's been around. And he knows what he's doing. And he is like, dude, this is I, – I need to get this. This is incredible. And it's, so it's been really interesting that way. That's pretty rad, dude. Um, so what do you then – because, like, when we talk about dynamic correspondence, right, we're going to talk about angle, muscle, contraction, and speed. Are you ticking enough of those boxes that you think you're going to see it carry over? Or are you thinking this is just going to be a strong assistance exercise that just helps them build off it? Um, I, think, I think it's a good question. I think it's, I think it's just one piece of the puzzle, um, as is everything. So it's I, as as much as I've liked it and and the rabbit hole we're kind of going down. It's still just one piece, but a broader picture, broader conversation really is the direction that we're kind of taking our our programming and our our whole approach. And a lot of people have been talking about this the last couple of years, but really to like more of a speed sprint horizontal power based approach to training, you know, hockey's a, it's a speed power sport with guys skate 30 miles an hour and getting them faster or keeping them really fast is, is really the biggest KPI um, in our, in our perspective. So a lot of the other stuff that we're doing, I think ticks those boxes uh, in that direction. And this is ticking. I, w I think this is ticking the box of that force end of the continuum, but in a more um, specific way than we've done in the past. Does uh, that make sense? No, a hundred percent, dude. I, and I was kind of hoping you were going to say that because that's where I was thinking it would fit as if, you know, the force velocity, that's going to be up here and they're skating 30 miles an hour all the time. They're doing this. So how can we move that curve up and over more? You move yep. that point higher so that this can all go out even further, right? I mean, uh, in theory. In theory. And that's, right. and that's what we've operated on, you know, forever, right? Like that's what strength training is. That's what absolute strength is. And so I, I think the idea here in my mind is not that that's a, that we're going in a different direction from the, the need of those qualities. It's just, how are we applying those qualities? And, and one of the, again, one of the, everything's logistics, right? So for us, um, when can we train? We probably average one and a half training sessions a week over the course of the year. If you kind of average it all out based on our schedule, based on travel, based on all that, um, a fair amount of those are post game because, in our setting and our schedule with what we've got, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's when we can get it in. We do another session, uh, pre-practice. We try to get once a week. So we're only getting a couple of very, very brief touches. Um, and, and again, we're working on shifting some ways that we do that, but it kind of comes down to this microdosing approach. 
And if all these other boxes are checked and we need, we think that we need to apply really high force and that's the box that needs to get checked. How can we do that? How can we do that quickly, safely, um, with, with little, uh, to no, uh, you know, eccentric stress and soreness and all of that stuff. Um, how do we do that? And this tool and the isokinetic stuff that we're doing with it seems to be a way that we can get that, that is not, it's not threatening to the athletes. They seem to respond really well to it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it has fit really well and it's been, um, really interesting to see along the way. I love that, dude. That's rad. And then, you know, somebody asked a question up here a little bit ago, like, do you worry about that lateral? Let me see if I find it. Do you feel that lateral push in the weight room over trains skating like movement pattern? I think I know your answer to that. Yeah. I mean, no, because we're doing it. Um, but again, like I, because we're doing it at super low volumes, like we're literally getting, uh, so the, the way we end up having to do it, um, we have some Kaiser equipment in there too. And in our one lift a week, that's pre-practice part of the, you know, the A series or B series or whatever you want to call it is basically two sets of this lateral push using the Kaiser machine. And then one to two sets on the 1080. So they're literally getting uh, three, six, nine, maybe 12 reps a week. Um, and half of that is on the 1080 at the, you know, at these high forces. So the volume is like extraordinarily low um, because it's all that we have time to get in. So I don't, I don't worry about that. I don't think there's any uh, concern of overtraining the tissue from that standpoint. Certainly if we were doing, you know, four sets of 10, et cetera, et cetera, with a bunch of other stuff, like, yes, but we're getting a couple of reps, but that's, what's been really neat about it is that, we're seeing big increases in force output over the season with only a couple reps a week because the intention that the athlete can put into it, the level of force that they can put into it is so much higher than they've, we've ever been able to train sort of in that pattern um, that it, it doesn't take much to see a lot of improvement. No, nah, dude, I love that. And I think that like, I think there's a lot, to it to why it wouldn't you know it's it's in a completely different aspect of that strength velocity or the force velocity curve it's not the same angle because if you just went and pushed straight to the left or straight to the right on the ice you wouldn't go anywhere right yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and if it is that low volume and you're able six to eight reps a week now when you do it with the kaiser is that like hip loaded and is that um, explosive or is that like how do you do that yeah so we put a we have a bunch of the um the what's that strap uh mm -hmm. deals so we we hook those up and we usually go over the like the lead shoulder so if the kaiser or the 1080s over here i have that strap on this shoulder and i'm basically i'm almost throwing like a body check in this direction uh, -huh. uh when we do it on the Kaiser, it's not explosive. It's not, it's not like bounding. Uh, their feet aren't leaving the ground, but it's at, it's at a higher speed and lower load than what would happen on the 1080, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a lateral, um, it's like a lateral push 
the first two sets on the Kaiser I, are essentially a warm up for like the max effort set on the 1080 um, as a third or fourth set. Yeah, no, makes complete sense. I dig that. So then where do you see like that, that stuff with the 1080 going then? Like, is this something that you think, like, I mean, obviously this isn't a toy that everybody can get access yeah. to, but selfishly I'm building a facility. So I want to know, um, like when you look at like change of direction with athletes, do you think that working at that high of a force level in, and really just the concentric force level, like there isn't that eccentric and that loading and that stopping that comes into cutting. Do you feel like that could have good carryover? Like if you were back at Lowell with your hockey girls, the field hockey team. Yeah. I mean, one, like you can do other stuff with it, like the isokinetic settings and the really low speed, high force stuff is just kind of, one area that I'm using the equipment for, like you can overload eccentric stuff. You can uh, do a lot more dynamic explosive stuff out of it. Um, so you could certainly use it in different ways. Um, I do think like, I think it's more applicable, the higher the training age, uh, just because I think, my my thought process is always uh you know general to specific right uh for the most part my field hockey or soccer girls at lowell um like we're at a low enough training age where i don't know that they would need i think there would be benefit to using the tool in certain ways but more so than our general training and stuff ah eh, maybe maybe not maybe a couple little things here or there but the higher the, the athlete's training age, you know, my juniors and seniors or my college hockey team at Lowell, the, the ice hockey guys, like they for sure, we could have used it um, to find some, some additional improvement or, or direction because those guys had a really high training age. These guys at this level, the one thing I've, I've learned and really come to appreciate working with these guys is the level of... Um, like the level of tuned in they are to their system, like subconsciously is extraordinary. Like these guys, for the most part, uh, they know, they are so aware of their body. Um, it's, in, it's incredible. So finding little areas that, again, like the 1080 allows us to kind of dive into and, and do some unique stuff, I think works really well at this level with these types of athletes that are, and we're talking about there's 700 players in the NHL. So the top 700 human beings that play the sport of ice hockey, they're incredible athletes. Like they're so dialed into themselves on a subconscious level that um, it really provides some unique opportunities to do some unique things with them where, and again, a lot of their training ages are pretty high at this point. So they've done, They've squatted, they've deadlift, they've done the basic stuff. And again, we're still doing that stuff. Uh, it's still important, but it's just, it's allowed us to find those little 1% areas. No doubt. So what have you learned from them then? Uh, to listen to them. Like they, they, they know, um, especially the guys, that, there's, there's some guys that I'm really fortunate to get to work with here that are super, super intelligent dudes 
anyway um, and understand training and have been around good training for a long time. And I've learned a ton from them again about really the, like even more specific thought processes around training a hockey player than, than I've ever thought of. And I've played the game for, I mean, 30 years at this point. Right. And, um, one of our defensemen, we, he, he loves to train and he's, uh, got a great background. He's really smart. And we talk all the time about, um, different applications, different, uh, different schools of thought. Um, how, uh, we, we had a discussion one time about, um, how to properly lace up your skates and the cost uh, benefit ratio between um, leaving one or two eyelets undone and improving dorsiflexion, but that uh, as a defenseman, increased stiffness might actually be better because the reverse skating, it was crazy. I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. Okay. I, I see that this is so, what I've learned from them is to listen to them because, because they're really smart. Again, I think they're one thing I, I think with really elite level athletes, like I think of them as geniuses at what they do, right? It's that whole, that Einstein quote of like, everybody's a genius, but if you ask a fish to climb a tree or whatever, like it looks stupid. Um, these guys are geniuses at the ability to play hockey. And if they can verbalize that, then, like the wisdom that comes out of them is incredible. That's pretty cool, man. And that whole idea of the skates, like, it's funny, like that, you know, the whole, what was it, was it when Marco was with Team GB and it was just like, find the 1%, you know, yeah. like that's, that's wild. Cause yeah, like, yeah, that dorsiflexion is important, right? But you've got to be way more stable cause you're just putting guys into the boards and, mucking in the corners and in front the whole time well and 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 he would tell me like he was like yeah like i'm faster going forward if i untie like undo that that top hole but he's a relatively smaller undersized defenseman and he's like if i undo the top hole i sit lower which is part of what makes me go faster but if i sit lower defensively i don't see i can't see the play as well so I actually want it stiffer and tied higher so that I sit taller because then I can see the play better. Like it was like, like, holy shit. Like I've never even thought about that. Like it was crazy. And so stuff like that, guys, it's, it's pretty impressive. The, the stuff that, um, that they think about and how they view training and where it fits and why and all of that stuff. So those things have been really fun. What about like in training or rehab? Do you have a situation like that? Uh, as far as like discussions and Somebody's things like saying that? saying something to you and you just being like, whoa. Um, well, yeah. I mean, that like same guy, like on the 1080, he like came up with an exercise basically that was, I we were doing like um, some anti-rotation type stuff and we were, I was playing with it on there and kind of some semi-chop slash Paloff Pressy kind of motions. Um, and he was like, you know, like I'm in front of the net and I'm, you know, defensive posture. I got a guy, the puck's over here. So I'm looking over here, but, but Ovi is coming from this side. And so I got to like box him out this way. 
And like, could we come up with an exercise where I'm like, and he starts playing with it. I start playing with it and we get him into these positions and then you can set the machine a certain way to give this like eccentric overload. And so what ends up happening is he's, he's in this like anti-rotational position and he's got like a, we've got a chop bar on the machine and it's, it's giving him and releasing tension like he's battling a guy in front of the net. And it was like completely out of his playbook. And he's like, this is what happens on the ice. I got to be able to be over here. And so like literally working with the guy during return to play, he, he was banged up at the time. He's coming up with exercises that now are like things that I'm, we're doing with guys that just make perfect sense. Again, from a, a transfer standpoint where I think maintaining our, our, our principles and training, but able to sprinkle in some of these things, which again, you've only got so much time and you're trying to find 1%. Um, it's, it's, it's been cool. How open were they to your principles and how much impact did they have on any flexibility or changes to them? Guys have been really open. Uh, I I'm fortunate in that, um, our group here. So our, our, the other strength coach on staff that has been here for, uh, I think this was his fifth year here. We both actually, we, we, we both interned together for Boyle 12 years ago or whatever it was. So we literally knew each other from back then we started together and he, he went into pro hockey and I went into college sports and we came back around. So from a principal standpoint, uh, this is what, this is what the veterans here at least have been basically doing more or less. Uh, we, we have the same kind of thought process. Um, I think the, the addition of some of the, again, I, I don't like the term necessarily, but the sports specific stuff that I've uh, implemented and the usage of the technology to give them feedback about what's going on. I think they've really, um, they've really appreciated because again, it's like all of a sudden it makes sense. Like, yeah, all right, I'm an athlete. I get it. Like squatting, leg strength, et cetera. This is good. Oh, like lateral pushing legs. This is like hockey. This is like skating. This makes a ton of sense. And so when, when things make sense to guys at that level, I think it creates buy-in. Um, and so it's guys have been very, very uh, open to, to what we've done. Is there anything that you thought you were going to be able to bring with you from Lowell that just hasn't worked? Or you had um, I don't know. I, I probably didn't realize how pared down things would need to be uh, here just from the standpoint of like what on a practical level, like what could we really get done on any given day? Just again, just because of the schedule, just because of the timing of it. Um, I, I think we've, I've, I've had to really, really, really think deeply about, what is absolutely necessary? Like, what do we absolutely have to get done? Cause it might be, it might be two things. Maybe, maybe we can get two things in. Um, and so what are the two things that are going to have the biggest bang for the buck that are going to matter, um, that we're going to be able to scale to the individual or to the scenario? Like, so those things have been, I don't know if I didn't know that coming here, but, uh, probably even re-emphasize the importance of that how would you make those decisions Oof. well um on a global perspective a big picture 
um, we start with our KPIs and we try to think about and understand, okay, what's globally for a hockey player, what's really important. And then we try to scale that stuff down as much as we can to the individual to come up with, you know, an individual prescription or plan around guys. Not that those things are differing uh, substantially across the board, but um, yeah, start big picture and understand, okay, what, what matters for the sport, what matters in our, for our group, in our team, uh, you know, the way we want to play the personnel that we have um, and then start to parse it down one, just, uh, you know, common sense wise, looking at players, talking with them, understanding who they are, where they're coming from, but then also looking at our data and using our um, force velocity profiling uh, that we did uh, from sprint testing in camp and some of our testing stuff and our ongoing, you know, our force plates and our 1080 quantum stuff where we're collecting the data and starting to paint a picture biomechanically and, and bioenergetically of who these guys are um, so that we can be more individual. And that's, that's a totally ongoing process. Like that's, that's in the works every day and we're trying to refine it and get better and define what we're even trying to come up with. But that's kind of the process that we're going through. That's pretty awesome, man. It sounds like it would be a lot of fun. It is. And it's a, it's a cool, it's a, it's a, it's just a great group. Like, um, so J rod has hopped on here. Thankfully, uh, he took off and took the head job with the Rangers so I could slide in here last summer and, and get to hang out. But the, the group here is awesome. Like Joe, our head guy is fantastic. And, and again, we go way back. Um, our VP of, of uh, player care, who's a, kind of our high, high performance manager, Chris Stackpole's super bright and really good dude and um, is such a great middle. He's a PT by trade, so he's such a great middle ground between medical and, and performance, our medical guys are great and are super smart. So it's, it's, I'm fortunate to have gotten into a position where we have a, just a really good team that's all interested in, in kind of pulling in the same direction. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least ask a little bit of what you're doing with the guys now, if you can talk about it. And like, I mean, obviously this kind of came at all of us like a curveball at Pedro Serrano, like, Nobody knows if we were going to be able to hit it or not. But uh, what, what yeah. are what are some things that you've taken and remodeled and helped and reached out and yeah, got? Uh, I mean the way that we're we're operating at this point, um, it, very much in limbo. We we don't know uh, whatever you, whatever anybody else has heard in the media is basically what what we know. We're we're kind of. Uh, hoping that some stuff happens, uh, but nobody really knows. Uh, so we're, we're trying to help guys stay, you know, as prepared as they can, but like, it's really hard. It's obviously remote training. Everybody was allowed to, uh, and did kind of go home. So our guys are, you know, everywhere from here in Jersey, the few guys that live here to California, to Switzerland, to all over the place. So, uh, we're doing, uh, you know, remote training via, uh, you know, team builder. And we have, uh, at this point we've written up programs and, and, um, told guys from an equipment standpoint, these are the, the bare, bare essentials that, that you need and we'll help you get what you need, uh, so that you can do this. And we're kind of in a phase one off season 
type of uh, training program right now where it's just uh, guys are at home and kettlebell and TRX and a weight vest and doing some escalating de density type stuff. And it's just weird because we're trying to, I mean, obviously equipment wise, a lot of guys are really limited. You know, a few guys have great home gyms, but younger guys are in an apartment wherever they're, they're at. Um, and so we're like in this phase one off season, but it's also like a little bit trying to keep them somewhat prepared to play because we might come back and play. Like there's been a fair amount of discussion about that and they're still trying to figure it out. So it's a, it's a weird spot obviously for everybody, but that's, that's kind of where it's just touching base with everybody and trying to make sure that, uh, you got me. Yep. You're right there. Man. Okay. Um, yeah, just touching base with everybody a couple times a week and, and, trying to help them get what they need, do what they need to do, but it's, that's what we can do. So that's it. Yeah. No, I think that that's one thing that you're hearing more and more from people is it's like, well, we kind of have a plan, but we don't. And then it's, we put out kind of a basic plan. And now from here on out, it's basically we provide a plan for everybody based on what everybody has or like what they have specifically. Yeah. But what I think is wild for you guys, bro, is like, like if we, if, if I was in the NBA and we were to come back and play, like at least the guys can run, right? Like you could at least go outside, even if you're in a city, like you go outside and run. You can't just strap boots on and go out there on the pavement and like, you know, hit some Russian circles or something. Like <laughs> you're not going to be able to skate, like period. Yeah. And they're talking like y'all yeah. might just jump into the playoffs. Yeah, it's. That is crazy, and that's what they've they've talked about. Like, if they are able to come back, then there might be this some, you know, short uh, training camp amount of time to try to get guys back in in a safe manner and things like that. Um, I mean, we've talked about trying to get guys rollerblades. Just, I mean, it's not the same, but at least kind of, sort of. But that's the thing. Everybody's like, what the hell do we do? Like, how do we navigate this? So it's, it's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you get a rollerblades and a slide board, and you figure, gosh, maybe if it's not quite right either way, if they do both, that somehow yeah. it translates in the middle. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's – I mean, well, you get them rollerblades, and they come over and play with you guys, soft tissue groins at a high risk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they get them rollerblades, they can play with you guys, and you can show them how the real dangles go. Yeah, that's know? right. I'll show, I'll show the boys. Here's how we do it. Here's how we do it. <laughs> But no, nah, man, I'm glad you're doing good. It's great to catch up, brother. It's, yeah. uh, I appreciate your time today, man. It's, uh, it sucks that it got cut short for all of us, but I, I'm, I couldn't be happier for you, dude. Like, keep kicking ass up there. I appreciate it, man. That's good. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer how things ended or, or at least paused, but uh, it's been, a, it's been a, fun, a fun first one, and hopefully I'll stick around for a while, so. Yeah, brother. Well, rooting for you hard here, man. Appreciate your time, Dev. Great to see you. It's so fired up for you, man. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you, too. Hey, and you know what? I heard it's National Craft Beer Day, man. So, Is that right? Happy National Craft maybe, Beer Day. You, maybe guy. I'll have one. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, brother. As always, appreciate you, man. Cheers. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Yeah, man. Later.